Strictly Personal Podcast. I'm J.P. Batum, your host. Our theme and our message is to be a wide open forum, much like a Seinfeld show, where it could be something going on throughout your day and that makes up a show. Well, this will be a conversation that will make up a podcast and hopefully you'll find it entertaining. My father, the late John Batum, Hall of Fame broadcaster, started the Strictly Personal Commentary show back in the late 90s. This is an attempt to keep that going. Each and every show, I will be playing some clips from his broadcast history. This podcast hopefully will raise some questions and provide commentary hopefully relevant and interesting. All the while, we'll have different guests along the way. All of the commentary provided is strictly personal. With all that, let's get started. All right, now to canoeing once again, and we're in the C1 men's final. We have a Canadian there who qualified, John Wood from Toronto. Here's John Batten. This is the C1 final, 500 for men. John Wood of Canada in lane one, ranked fifth in the world in 1975. In lane two, Roland Isch of France. In lane number three, the eighth ranked man in 75 from Yugoslavia, Mataya Lubeck. In lane four from the Soviet Union, Alexander Rogov. In lane number five from West Germany, Ulrich Eike. In lane number six, it's Ivan Pitsaikin. In number six is from Romania in lane seven. Karoi Zagedi of Hungary in lane number eight, Wilfred Stefan of East Germany in lane nine, Borislav Ananiev, and he is from Bulgaria, and Ananiev was ranked third in the world in 1975. Marjorie Homer Dixon is with me, and Marjorie, this is one that I know Canadians have their fingers crossed, John Wood in lane one. This will be the race of his life. Every paddler in Canada, I'm sure, is watching this particular race because John has been a medal hope for Canada for uh, the past year anyway. He's just, he has done superbly in his past year with his training, with his competition. <laughs> and they're away, and it's now or never for all of these competitors. John Wood in lane one, getting out quickly. All of them. Lane number two is Roland East of France. John Wood is taking a bit of a lead. He's of course, the crowd is going to go. They're going to go wild. We look at the top of the screen. Borislav Ananiev. In lane three is Mikhail Lubeck. John Wood stroking hard. This is what he's worked hours and hours and hours for. In lane eight, East Germany's Wilfred Stefan. In lane nine, Borislav Ananiev. And from there on, it's extremely close all the way. My fingers are crossed. John looks extremely strong and powerful. He's reaching very, very far. He's not chopping his stroke like we've seen him do earlier. He's hanging in there now. The other crews are starting to come up. But John is a fighter. He's a competitor. And I think he will have his recuperative powers at the 250. He will. We will see a spurt. Well, this is going to be quite a race. John Wood, if he could win a medal, would just be absolutely fantastic. To be in the final, one of the top Grandma, in the world. so cute. It's nice to know my home province is supporting my granddaughter's music. Thank you. Her grandpa would be very proud. She's going to make me cry. Well, as you can see, I'm here with Bree Taylor. Bree Taylor, I understand you were busy writing some music today. Yeah, I was writing some new music. And how did it go? It went great. I think we wrote a really awesome song. You know, I was thinking while you were doing that, I was thinking back when you were little and thinking what was your motivation to get into all of this? And I can recall, I mean, it goes back a ways, obviously, but I recall when you were younger. Uh, first, you started playing, I think it was the piano. Yeah. Then it was a guitar. Yeah. And then I remember think, thinking, okay, she's going to be playing guitar now. 
I remember going out and getting you a second guitar and an amp for an electric guitar, not electric guitar, but an electric acoustic guitar. Yeah, I still have that. Thinking that you're going to be this great guitar player. <laughs> and then right after I did that, you were saying, Dad, I want to sing. And I thought, oh my God, now what? Anyways, the, um, but so... Well, you got me a microphone too, though. <laughs> uh, so, so glad that we did that. But anyways, um, so welcome to the Strictly Personal podcast. And uh, Brie Taylor... She's sitting next to me holding on to her small chihuahua named Aria. <laughs> yep. Aria's staring at me. And she's kind of bored, actually. She's she, listening intently. She's intently listening. Um, so, anyways, that's how you sort of got into the music end of things. That's what you. That's your version of the story. Well, that's my version of the story. Yeah. Let's, let's hear your version of the story. Well, I don't know if you remember at Auntie Patty's Cottage up north that we were all back in the day all there and auntie nancy was there and i was in one of the rooms and i had the little not door door closed Mm -hmm. and i was just like singing and i thought like oh if people can't see me they can't hear me which is not true but i was like singing to myself in there and then auntie nancy i could hear her through the little weird door like shingles basically it wasn't even a door and she was talking she's like she's really good you guys need to put her in voice lessons and she started telling you guys, and I, I overheard that. And when somebody was validating that I was good, it made me feel like, oh, am I actually good? Can I actually do this? Because it was just a dream that I always had that I didn't know I had talent because I was so badly bullied in elementary school. And I always had shown an interest in singing and all my peers kept saying, you're not good enough. You can't sing. You're terrible, blah, blah, blah. So when someone was showing that they saw some potential in me and I, and acknowledging that, that made me feel like, Oh, I can do this. And that's when I wanted to go after it. Um, well, let's jump forward a little bit then. So I do recall, um, wanting to do something special for your 16th birthday. And, uh, Mm -hmm. um, you were very uh, much into the singing at that point. And, uh, I thought, well, uh, I had a, a friend of mine that knew someone that had a studio and I looked into uh, making the arrangements where you could come in studio and actually record yourself mm-hmm. and record it on a CD. Yeah. And you did a couple of cover songs. Um, yeah, I did. And, uh, I did Breakaway by Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. And Not Ready to Make Nice by the Dixie Chicks. And this one by Avril Lavigne, was it? No, I don't think so. You're beautiful or something? Oh, by Christina Aguilera, oh, Beautiful. I forgot yeah. I did that one, actually, because yeah, yeah. that one I didn't do as well. Yeah. Anyways, it was quite exciting. Uh, My voice has changed so much since then. <laughs> it was just exciting to see you in studio doing that and then having the CD. It was. Uh, and now you have had me with two professional songwriters and a producer in your house writing music. <laughs> Come a long way. So we fast forward again. Um, but before I do that, I just you, you know you you uh, you're very well educated. You've gone to university. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your university uh, education a little bit. Well, um, I guess I was feeling kind of obligated to go to university after high school and I had shown, I would, I always wanted to do music, but I felt like, okay, well, if I'm going to do something, let's do something still in this 
realm of media entertainment and something I could kind of that would help benefit my music career so I ended up going to the University of Guelph Humber in their media studies program which was a relatively new program so they were still changing things up and working through the kinks in the program but it allowed me to learn how to do things like web design and graphic design and photography and lighting and editing photos and PR, writing a bio, writing articles, like, because they give you a very diverse overview of the media in general. Like I even took media and the law, like we had to do a lot of components that gave me an education that allowed me to understand the industry I was getting into in different areas and then choose a specialization, which I chose public relations because I figured, um, if I could learn those skills to kind of help my own self. And I have done that. I mean, of course I've hired publicists, but I have also done and been my own publicist at times, but I also now can do my own graphic design work that I do freelance. I do my own website. I've saved thousands of dollars on people that I could have been paying to do those things and was able to do it now for myself. And now I'm opening up my services to other artists. So, so yeah, so I guess it's uh, all kind of come together for you. So we could certainly come in handy. I mean, you've got a lot of those skill sets, and then it certainly lends itself to a lot of the work that you do with your music. Yeah, it definitely well, helps. Let's, let's, say, let's face it; it's not just music. I mean, you're you're an online personality with regards to all your social media outlets, and sure, you know, you do a podcast yourself called. Uh, unapologetically brie yes i do i gotta i gotta get back on that too actually it's been neglected uh, so you've got a number of things that you that you work on you also have uh you're a youtuber as well and i I was yeah i started out in my teens doing youtube like i really because of how badly i was bullied in school i turned to youtube as like a creative outlet on top of my music i loved reading books so i got into i was i always loved the harry potter series as you know and so i started doing harry potter fan videos which was a popular thing and then i got into twilight fan videos and i got like on a team of people all across the world and we each had a day of the week that we released videos and then when that started growing and getting more of a fan base people always said oh your makeup's so pretty you should do beauty videos or makeup tutorials and i always also loved that side of the world too and i always dreamed of like having my own makeup line or perfume line or something so i was like okay let me try this and then i got into the beauty community and then that's when my channel started blowing up and then um, when i got into university and got busier with things and working multiple jobs to help me get through school and all of that i uh definitely neglected my youtube side of things and then after university decided to go full force into music and that's always been my number one priority so youtube's taken a back burner in terms of like being a youtuber but now i still do actively post all my of course music content on there Mm. but yeah it's been a journey and you know what you've uh you've now done some traveling you've done a little bit of traveling mm-hmm. you've been down to the uh, to california a number of times mm-hmm. uh, i think i've had you down to nashville and a few places um you did early on it's did a school trip to europe uh yeah when i was 15 yeah vimy ridge i think you went to yeah you know, which was kind of neat yeah uh, i definitely want to do europe again now that i'm older not presently but you know one day so if you, what are some of the places that you, if you could write your own ticket, go to, what would be the Bali, place? number Bali. one place. I want to go to Bali so bad. Okay. Bali and Indonesia would be um, some places I definitely want to go. Um, Thailand would be great to go to and see. Uh, Japan would be mm. really great. Um, Australia, I would love to see Australia. So those are some places. I definitely want to hit all 50 states at some point in my life. Well, if you get on tour... 
Who knows? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Well, that's why I want to do. That's why I Countless love music. <laughs> exactly, because I want to be able to tour the world and also be able to see the world while I'm touring in some aspect of it. But but by doing that, I'm doing something I love, getting paid to do it, hopefully, and seeing the world and traveling and having all those experiences. So. Big aspirations, and you know what? Dream big. You never know. You might get there, and uh, certainly you've got a lot of uh, family and friends that are pulling for you. Um, what, uh, what other kinds of things are going on in your life? Uh, I guess a lot of it really centers around your, your music. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I know that uh, today you were uh, trying to uh, uh, pencil in probably what would be the last song that would uh, round out your EP. Uh, that you're second last second last song that you're trying to <laughs> put together to, to round out your EP that you're planning on launching in June yeah I we believe. just wrote the last song for it and then we're working on the, the recording vocal dates uh, for the other songs the second last so we're working on those last two songs right now getting them together to round off the album and then we can hopefully release that early summer and I'm planning an EP launch party for that uh, right now so we're locking in dates venues I've got some friends that are other artists that are willing to participate and wanting to be a part of it um, so working on all of that um, yeah so that's a lot of stuff that's you know, I've, 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 I've always found it interesting um, uh, I have no musical talent whatsoever so I'm intrigued by your uh, your your ability your skill and your drive and your your your, your deep interest in this because uh, I've always l- had a love for music. I've always mm-hmm. liked, uh, you know, I've collected music, as you know, uh, growing up and and uh, always was playing music. And even today, I still play with music. And I like many types of music and many mm-hmm. types of genres. I'm not really... Uh, but I think that played into me as an artist because growing up, you had me surrounded by all of that. Like, we literally, I told... Donnie and Murray about like the mixtape that you found in that like little bench in the basement (laughs) of like when I was delivered in the delivery room to like that mixtape that you made for me like I was literally born to music because of you and your interest in music well and that's where maybe the name Taylor comes from Uh, James Taylor was uh, prominently uh, uh, played on that tape that day but uh, yeah um, just what I was intrigued by and maybe get your thoughts on it is when you when you put a get you know it's it's to me it's amazing that uh, you start a writing project like you've done today and then to hear the little bits and pieces along the way how that comes to be and then turns into a a, a fantastic song. Um, how do you not get so attached to these songs? So if I said to you now, what song is your favorite? Like, do you have any emotional attachments to certain songs? And how do you move past that and go, okay, you know what? That's a great song. I, I loved it, but now i got to move to a new one. And, and that's, the new one has to be my next really exciting project. That's got to be hard to do. Not really, because as a songwriter and an artist, you do put little pieces of yourself into your music and your songs. But the way that I look at music is it's like a therapeutic process. So for me, especially if I'm more emotionally connected to a song and on like that emotional level, like it's a personal story or something I went through once I kind of have written the song and I go through the process and it's written, released, produced everything. I feel like it's like out of me and then I'm able to move forward emotionally with my life as well as just onto new music, but it doesn't take away from the connection I have to the song because it was, at one point something deep that I was feeling but it 
that's the beauty of music. It can pull you back to those places and remind you of those feelings and those experiences. But you're, I try to like let go of the past so that it doesn't still stick to me and hurt and you know, all that stuff. So that way you're able to look at it in a more positive way. Like, Oh yeah, I remember I felt like that, but look at this creative, amazing thing that came from a bad experience or something tough or challenging. I, I, I still remember the exact time that you sent over, you emailed me the first song that you wrote, wow. which was perfect. And you sent it to me and I remember listening to it while I was on the train and I literally teared up because it was so amazing to hear you sing something you wrote. And What's your version of that song? <laughs> I, I, I don't recall, but it for uh, maybe because I was I was being a dad there and I got emotional. But I just thought it was so amazing, and I don't know if you, you're, you've you've really grown since uh, uh, so much since that time. And yeah. the stuff that you work on now, it just gets better and it gets better and it gets better, and that's the exciting part. And it's also being able to work with better people, not better people, but working with more experienced songwriters and people who can maybe say things that you can't say it in a different way or them like connecting with you. Like today, Donnie really understood me on like an emotional level. We just vibed and he just got me from everything I told him about myself. And we talked about what I wanted the song to be. And he was able with certain things that I wanted to say him to say it in a little bit of a better way that would come across in the song and make more sense or click in like a puzzle piece. So being able to work with people that can understand you on that level and do that and help you say what you want to say and work with you in a songwriting way. I think that also contributes to the fact that I'm able to do better stuff too. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's touch on this because it's a pet peeve of mine and I'm sure it's a, it's a big peeve for, for you being an artist and, and it's something that I have really come to know uh, because you're in the industry and this is what you do for a living uh, or certainly for, for passion and what you're pursuing as what I really get frustrated with is the fact that, you know, young artists starting out, how to make a buck and mm -hmm. it, in the difference between somebody that's made it to a level where they are recognized and you have a label and you are put out there from the struggling artist is so dramatic. Mm -hmm. And how does these, you know, in order to stay in the arena, to compete, to continue growing is so expensive. And there's no, there doesn't seem to be any way to fund that uh, or in the early days until you actually get that break. And to me, that's mm -hmm. a frustration. And I found it to be something that I would, if I, if I could find a way to change that, I would. And I was saying to you off air earlier, one of the things that I, I, I really would like to see is some of these artists that have made the big time mm -hmm. start paying it forward and going back and looking at their roots and re recognizing that there is a lot of struggling artists out there that they could help um, mentor in some way and yeah. certainly, certainly help, uh, you know, help out financially because it would be just a, a smidgen of what some of them make. Cause it's, so the top level artists are just making uber uber amounts of well, money that's, that's that's what i like to say too even just even on more of a philanthropic level too with a lot of artists they don't take advantage of the amazing platform that they have with their name being so credible because of the career that they've built with their name and through their reputation and they have so much that they could do and potential that they could do to reach more people in a positive way and be more impactful in this in society which is what my ma massive goal is as an artist. Like, of course I love music and I'm passionate about music, but I have goals that are bigger than music. Like everyone wants to make money. Everybody wants to ha have great experiences and luxuries. But at the end of the day, what are you, what is your name worth? 
What are you doing on this planet? What impact are you making? What changes are you trying to do? And I think that not only could an artist, they don't even have to give a penny to a struggling artist, but they could just share your song or give validation to a good song that they like that is from an aspiring artist in no way, nothing but just using social media and sharing it. Like they don't even have to give money or donate or do anything. They don't even have to necessarily mentor. All they have to do is give that validation and credibility. Lend their name and... Yeah. yeah, so it's, you're right. It, it, well, that's like it's with, minimal amounts of time even doing that in some in some respects. So yeah, right. I mean, but so there that are is people that have. I mean, Drake did help foster Alessia Cara. Like there are things that they do. But, but so I, wonder, I wonder again. This is me getting trying to get outside of the box and think a little bit. But I wonder almost if there was, and I'm sure there are organizations out there. But is is there maybe a lack of a formal fundraising organization that where where. Uh, artists that have made it can help fund and, and foster and support a group that helps you know filter like a fund. charity that almost like a charity fundraiser where it filters money out to the younger artists that uh, down to that I'm sure level. that's an idea for something I don't know if that something exists but there are grant opportunities I mean as I'm figuring out along the way that there are different mm-hmm. especially and, w- and that's one thing that I find from my friends in America is they don't have access to grant opportunities that we have in Canada for the arts like Canada actually does do a lot to fund the arts and I, I just didn't have the knowledge earlier on in my career to know that that existed so that is one thing for sure that I feel like if at least it was more promoted then more people would know about it but then at the same time then there's more competition so part of me wonders if the reason why it is the way it is is to really weed out the weak and find those who are really determined and Mm -hmm. serious about what they're doing because like I've realized through releasing to radio like radio doesn't want you to come in with one or two singles and release to the station and then you disappear because it's hard. They want to see you're in it for the long haul. And that's what I keep knowing and hearing is that they want you, they're almost testing you in a way. So it's almost like the industry, it's, there's access and funding that's there. You've got to work hard and earn it, which I think is the right way to do it. Because I mean, there's not to say there isn't talented people out there, but there's some people that might not have the drive and the motivation that I necessarily do or someone else has. So that really is what sets the different, the people that get to that top well, let's hope, so. let's hope so. I mean, uh, I think it does because I think people. I mean, there's the occasional person that gets a handout and that has an easy way there, but they don't appreciate it, and they don't. Those are the people that don't necessarily utilize their platform, etc. So I think that the people that are really deserving of it work hard, are resilient, and go and jump and bounce back. I have to believe that at some point they're going to get their break because I feel like that's the category that I fall into. I feel like I take everything that's thrown at me and I, yeah, of course I'll break down and have a hard time, but I still bounce back. Like I don't let it tear me down. That's right. And resilience is something, is that something that I find has been very true of myself, even through going to therapy and just figuring out like why I feel and think how I do and react how I do. I look at my life and I go, there's some internal force inside me my whole life that's always had that resilience to bounce back and not give up. So let our listeners know where they can contact you or go and see. Uh, I think it's at BreeTaylor.com. Yeah, and it has all my social media links on there. I'm Bree Taylor Official on Instagram. And my tour dates are on my website for shows if anyone wants to come out and support. Bree Taylor spelled B-R-E-E, Taylor.com. And in going out at the end of our uh, podcast here, I'd ask you to... Give me a song that you would want to end your podcast on. What would be a song that you'd want as of a... Of my own? 
Or any song. Could be an outro song of uh, your own or something else. Oh, that's a tough decision. <laughs> Can't put me on the spot on that. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe, like, there's so many great songs. Um, maybe Free Falling, because I feel like that's been our song since well, we I was Tom little. Tom Free Falling. Well, you got it. All right. That was Bree Taylor, singer, songwriter, YouTube sensation. Uh, and, hey, my daughter. Uh, no, I couldn't uh, very well uh, play Tom Petty. I have to play one of her songs, and this is the one that I picked. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Cause all I want's your love, baby.